1: Good morning and welcome to Zero Today. I'm your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation. We are promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming and is our, is our goal, our hope, and our mission every time we are on the air to empower you, our listeners, to being aware, knowing, being, and impacting the world around you. And as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. You can do so in several means, manners, some ways, some primary way. If you want to get your thoughts heard on the air, you can call the number 347-237-5230. That is the number to call to get your comments, dialogue, intellect, whatever you want to call it, on the air. Also, you can hit us up on the chat room. Uh, the chat room is available. Simply go to uh, click the link on... Um, our Facebook page, Zero Network, at Facebook, or my personal page, Lorenzo Neal, and um, uh, BlockTalkRadio.com, Zero Today, and you'll find a link and you can join in the chat room. It's open and it's available now. Also, you can, again, I mentioned the play, Facebook page, Zero Network, on Facebook. Uh, follow us on Twitter, um, at Zero Radio on Twitter, and we are also uh, at Prophesy on Twitter. That's my personal one. And um send me an email, Pastor Lorenzo Neal at gmail dot com or zero radio at gmail dot com. Either way, we love to hear from you and we're glad that you're joining us today. Uh interesting topic of discussion. We're gonna jump right into it as soon as we uh close out the prayer with course we're gonna talk about uh the life and legacy of Bishop Eddie Long and the uh <laughs> the craziness surrounding the beginning of uh President elect Trump's term we're gonna talk a bit about all of those things and anything anything else that you'd like to discuss we'd love to hear from you and that's what we are here for. So before we go any further, let's go to the Lord in prayer. God we grace, we thank you. We praise you for your loving kindness. We thank you for every good and every perfect gift that comes from you now as we do our show. Grant us grief grant us peace to ever labor for your cause and that the words of our mouth, meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord, I rock and Redeemer. Amen. Well, let's jump right into this before we get into the Eddie Long thing. And there's a lot to unpack there. We're really going to be talking about the secrets preachers keep and um, and, um, why we keep the secrets. And I say we because me being a pastor, there's some things uh, we all do that we don't want everybody to know. But we'll get into that in a bit. But uh, let's jump right into this Trump inauguration president. Obama is heading out of office. Some people are excited about that, and a lot more people are disappointed. They feel heartbroken. They feel uh, disenchanted and disenfranchised, and all kinds of things. And you see a swing of the pendulum from 2008, where a lot of white Republican conservatives or uh, uh, persons, uh, white persons, felt that. And now you're seeing that shift from where they're feeling the jubilation of a new president, uh, Republican, and you know this this person who is coming in with sweeping changes, um, and the um, the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The way that uh, he is coming and uh, dismantling dismantling that's the word I'm looking for dismantling all. Of the things that are perceived by those who elected him as um, uh, dangerous and uh, un-American policies of President Barack Hussein Obama, and let me let me put this in. First of all, I I I'm 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 me being a moderate conservative that I am. Uh, I I I I celebrate the fact that every four years we the people get to see this process. It's a wonderful process. I love the pomp and circumstance uh that comes that accommodates uh a comp companies I cannot talk this morning that accompanies uh uh presidential inauguration. I've not had the privilege of attending one, um even though I had opportunities to I've had several opportunities, including this one, to attend. I just choose not to. I don't like being in cold weather too much. (laughs) Uh, But in 2009, uh, when President Barack Hussein Obama was doing his first inauguration, uh, busloads of persons uh, from my area at the time. I I mean, they were literally piling in buses to get to that inauguration. It was a historic event, and people wanted to be a part of it and you know i was i was proud of the fact that it was historical but it stopped right about there you know i understood that um that this was a presidency of the people but at the same time you know the office of the president is the one to be it's it's a it's a difficult office and as much as we as that person tries to um be the person who we was elected or she was elected to be, or he in this case, since we haven't had a woman yet. We know historically that often is not the case. They may cater to their their particular demographic or uh, uh, voters, but that's about it. You know, they they always put politics and quote unquote the country first. Uh you know, whatever they perceive to be the best interest of the country. And and a lot of people talking about protesting the inauguration, and um, particularly because this president-elect, uh, Donald Trump, um, his character, <laughs> and, and, and this is my opinion—I I don't care whether you like it or not—but this is my opinion—you know—is unbecoming of a diplomat, unbecoming of a president. And I know people put him in office because of that. He is an outsider, or he was an outsider. He was speaking and talking what other politicians were not saying, and you know he was not bound by any financial obligation to a a supporter, a donor, or you know an agenda. He has his own agenda he is his own agenda, and because of that, you know <laughs> every every morning, the press gives us something. From him every morning Why because I I don't know if they're fascinated by the fact That he won or they're mad by the fact That he won but even while he was a candidate This person he received More attention From media Than any other person Any other candidate He received more than Hillary Clinton Why well Who knows But reality is um, People are protesting and I can understand the sentiment of why they're protesting. You're talking about a person who, who while on the campaign, you know, said whatever came to his mind. He was not bridled. I mean, he spoke of minorities. He spoke ill of minorities. He spoke ill of uh, what we would consider some disenfranchised persons, uh, disabled, and you know, and and <laughs> and the quote-unquote simple locker room talk. You know about him, well, I don't even need to say it so the the reality of of this this inauguration is not so much as as the inauguration itself is the integrity and the character of the person who is who will become the president of the United states what what many people are afraid of is that. If he was as unbridled as he was during the campaign, how much more unbridled will he be as president? Can't contain him. He's his as I said, he's his own person. Um I disagreed with with his clap back with Representative John Lewis, who I've had the pleasure of meeting meeting and, and sharing with on a number of occasions. Um I I just you know, I just thought it was you know, uh, petty, for one You know, you're, you're President of the United States And clap back is not necessary for you You know, I can understand you doing it But the means that he went in the way he did it Showed a great Insensitivity To what uh, Representative Lewis Has stood for and has done Now, I don't like All of Representative Lewis's Statements or his policies Or his actions, you know <laughs> the sit-in that he did earlier, uh, uh, last year. Uh, I thought some of this stuff was unnecessary. And I can understand why he says that he does not consider Trump a um, a legitimate per- president. I can understand it. But, you know, that's, there's been <laughs> dozens of presidents somehow considered illegitimate. And um, in the most recent history, people... Still consider George W. Bush an, an illegitimate president, but our system is the way it is, uh, and the founders of this this great country thought it necessary to to do so. But um, you know, when you when you clap back at a legend, civil rights legend, as to the people that you're trying to gain um, respect from, you you lose it. You lose it. And you know, so that and so Lewis and several other leading Democrats are not um, will not be in attendance at his uh, President-elect Trump's inauguration, which is nothing new because the Republicans did it. There were several leading Republicans who did it for uh, President Obama's. There were some who did it at President. George Bush's then there was some who did it at President Clinton's. There was some who did it at President Reagan. And within my generation, there's always been some protest, protests and kickback. You know, clap back on, on the presidential election. That's the wonderful thing about our system and our country that allows us to do that. But I'm gonna be honest with you and and I, I say this I say this with grace and sincerity. I'm not afraid for the future the next 4 years I'm, I'm i'm not afraid i will not buy into the rhetoric that's being presented by the um opposition and neither am i going to buy completely into the rhetoric of the incoming uh administration and, and though he has support from several black ministers none of any real prominence and you know but we don't really have many Uh, Real prominent (laughs) preachers (laughs) As of late (laughs) But um, The reality is the fact that As we go through this next Four years The one thing that I can say That I believe needs to be done By the black church And black leadership um, is to ensure the fact that we work as a community and we stop relying and, and we push the community, we push the the, the necessity for us to be singular, in mind and action. And of course that's going to be difficult because we're not monolithic. I'm not suggesting that we be monolithic. We we won't be monolithic as a community, as African Americans, we won't be monolithic. But we can be more um uh symbiotic in our in in our pursuit of the American uh what what is uh is promised to all Americans life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. I believe that we can be symbiotic in that, without having to uh, cling on to a particular party to do so. Because right now, even as a person who is affiliated, uh, who has, who identifies as a conservative, uh, they have to really show why they need us. Well, well, they have they don't have to show why they need us. They have to show that they desire to engage us in a manner that is that is uh worth our engaging them back in return. Which for some is gonna be hard because they're not going to ever say that uh you know they're not gonna ever value us and, and as of late we see that because with President elect Trump think about the blacks that he has he has really um seemed to be interested in working with. Uh the vast majority of them are are have entertainment backgrounds. And think about Omarosa who, you know, her claim to fame is on his television show. The um um what's the name of the show? <laughs> Y'all know the name of the show. I I didn't watch it that much anyway. And you think about um the pastors, uh Bishop Wayne Jackson of Detroit, who uh had him sit down with at his church um with an interview, had a worship service there that Trump attended and um and who else? There's several several others. But the here's the thing, you know, those persons before didn't and, and really they still don't, other than Wayne Jackson Showing up, and I think he's going to be participating in some in some capacity at the uh, at the inauguration on the Capitol. I believe so. I may be mistaken about that, but the reality is that Trump has been parading around celebrities, persons within his um, you know one percent, but none of them have really really have the sphere of his influence. As far as engaging and really empowering, you know, they have the the fear of influence of entertaining and engaging by means of that by that means, you know. And I'm I was really disappointed, very disappointed when I saw uh, Martin Luther King the third. And I'm, uh, I I I I say that because I I I I understand. What he's trying to do he's trying to you know he's trying to live up to his father's legacy they've been doing a poor job of that as a family with a lot of the, the divisiveness that's become public you know the, the brothers versus the sister and tip, you know typical family issues that unfortunately just happen to be in the wrong family <laughs> going on in the wrong family um, I'm not going to call him an opportunist I don't you know can't I don't determine, cannot and will not try to determine the means by which he he felt he needed to engage uh, President-elect Trump on the uh, celebration and observation of his father's birthday. I don't know. But I would like to believe, and this is just me, I would like to believe that he's open to being used in some capacity. Um but that's neither here nor there but steve harvey i i i i can't understand that meeting at all, and I say this because one um i i have i'm not an entertainer, I don't have multiple means of of sharing uh my my thoughts or influence as Steve harvey um but you know i when i see things like this happen i i i have to question one uh mr harvey is a wonderful man is an outstanding human being and you know and the way that he has come up is is a a great example of how the american dream uh, can be realized and actualized but there's some point you know Um, we, and I'm trying not to use the word sellout, because I don't want to say that he is, because if I were in a situation like him, and I were, if I were invited to be able to sit at the table, uh, the voice of power, the uh, figures of power, I would take that advantage also, um, But I guess the moment, you know, uh, this is what it really is. And I'll just say this. The reality is, you know, there was an unscripted moment when Donald Trump was being questioned and he unscriptedly asked Steve, Steve Harvey to respond to the question with a yes, to which he did. But you could see immediately the quickness of that, because one, uh, the question was not really relevant to anything Steve Harvey is is is, is in, involved in, and for uh, Donald Trump to say, look over here and oh you know to to reflect the statement back Steve Harvey by saying yeah and Steve agrees with me don't you Steve yeah, <laughs> you know that kind of thing that that I think that's when he realized. How big of a mistake he may have made <laughs> by doing that, but again I, I said all that to say that I don't believe and i I would like to think others uh and and I welcome your your dialogue and uh, opinions on this. I would like to believe that the next four years will not be as a- as fearful as as predict I mean, the media predicted Y two K was going to be horrible. and Look what happened. And so I don't, I would not trust in that. And unfortunately, there are many persons who have been swayed by, uh, by those perspectives. And you know, I, I'm not going to be one of those preachers. Who say, well, let's just give him a chance. Um, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> he, he, we don't have to give him a chance. He has the chance because he's the president, and he's going to, if, if. You know He'll do what he does, whatever he does, however he does it, because he's the president. I'm going to take a quick break, and um, I'll be back. When we come back from the break, we will get into this, the talk of the day, the topic of the day, uh, Bishop Eddie Long and um, uh, his legacy and what his death means for the black church. And I hope you guys are ready for this discussion because I'm ready for it. Be right back.
0: Seen almost everything, so we know how to cover almost anything, even murmuts. And we covered it, February 3rd, 2016. Talk to farmers. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum.
1: Those of you who've listened to my show uh, realize that... Uh, About a year ago, a little over a year ago, my computer crashed on me, and I had lost just, I thought I lost just about everything on my computer, all my important files and documents. But then I remembered that I had security. I had my files backed up automatically by Carbonite.com. Now, here's the good thing about Carbonite.com. They have the same encrypted technology that is used uh, for security, uh, e-commerce, transactions, all that stuff. They got it, right? And then they house it in state-of-art data centers that's guarded 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I wasn't worried because I knew my files were automatically backed up. And here's the good thing. I, I didn't have to worry about retrieving the media because I could access my files from any computer anywhere in the world. So, if, if, if you you feel like you're going to lose your stuff, I recommend Carbonite.com because that's the place to go. You don't have to worry about the cost either because they have a price for every budget you can imagine. Not only that, but if you go to that site today, you could get a 15-day free trial right now if you go in today. That's Carbonite.com for all your online backing needs. All they do is back up your files online. They don't do anything else. You can be guaranteed that all of your important documents, everything that you love on your computer will be safe and secure. Check them out today at Carbonite.com for your online backup. Hey, friends. If you are in the Jackson metro area, I want to take this time to invite you to come to the New Bethel African Methodist Episcopal Church for our annual Men's Day Celebration on February the 12th, 2017, at 3 o'clock p.m. We're honored to have our special guest speaker, the Honorable Judge Carlton Reeves, who is the judge for the Southern Mississippi District of the federal uh, court system. He was appointed by President uh, Barack Obama. He's going to be our speaker today. So I invite you to come out and join with us. That's February the 12th, 3 o'clock p.m., At New Bethel Amy Church. You're going to love it. Trust me. I love it, and I'm going to sure. I want all of you to come. Come and be blessed. A lot of dictators will be there. You'll, You'll have a wonderful time, and I'm looking forward to it. So tune in and come on. Again, I'm your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, and we're moving to the second segment, and we are going to be talking about none other than the death of Bishop Eddie L. Long, pastor for nearly uh three decades uh of the excuse me, New Birth Missionary Baptist Church located in Athonia, Georgia. Uh, I had the opportunity to meet uh, Bishop Bell on on a number of occasions. Uh, My first time I recall meeting him, I was a student in high school, young preacher, high school, 1991, 92, somewhere in there. And um, he had spoken at Bishop Paul Morton's church. I've forgotten if it was some kind of conference, and he had spoken there, and Boy, I tell you, he had us all shouting all over the place. And then the next time, um, he was elevated as a bishop in the Full Gospel Baptist Church. I think he was the uh, bishop number three <laughs> yeah. at the time when when Bishop Paul Morton was organizing. He was one of the first um, uh, elected bishops or appointed bishops. I don't know how he did. Uh, there were so many bishops at, the, <laughs> at that time in the Full Gospel Baptist Church. Everybody was an overseer or a bishop. It seems like (laughs) I'm just I'm exaggerating. I really am exaggerating. I went to uh, his the old New Birth Baptist Church at one time, and it was a big church to me then. You know, had a lot of members, probably about five or six thousand at that time. And um, again, he preached the house down and. you know, he he did. He had. He was a marvelous orator. And As time progressed, I followed his ministry by way of television. You know, I watched his uh, television broadcast, and I I I'm I'm quite sure I bought some CDs. I I know I did. I I there was quite a few preachers that I followed on on television. You know, I I purchased their material and listened. I, I would not regurgitate it, uh, but I would listen and I would learn as much as I could. Uh, especially because at this time the um, the full gospel Baptist thing was really exploding and and, and and growing, and I was one of the young preachers who were like, yeah, let's just do away with tradition, and <laughs> and, um, and I, I followed his ministry, and then I saw him bulking up, and I'm like, okay, 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 I um. I, I never really bought into the prosperity. Well, yes, I did. Yeah, I did. I did buy into prosperity preaching. Uh, I never preached it directly. I don't recall. may have. I, I ain't going to give me time. Don't give me to line. I'm quite sure uh, they influenced, uh, well, I am very sure they influenced some of the ways I thought about prosperity. And um, name it, claim it wealth, health, gospel, you know, all that. Um, but, but, what intrigued me the most about, and I'm quite sure pretty much everybody else, is um, Bishop Long was one of the first black preachers that I know who began to uh, wear his own fashion. You know, He, he designed his own clothes. Uh, he wore his own emblem on his suits, and I was fascinated by that, uh, his robes and his church emblem, and of course as they began to build the church and the current building you know, I was just fascinated by the fact that he had created his own brand. He was one of the first black preachers uh, in the modern era. And by the modern era, I mean from the uh, latter part of the 1980s until uh, this this moment. He was one of the few black preachers in the modern era who created their own brand. You had Bishop Noel Jones. You, have, uh, you had Creflo Dollar. You had T.D. Jakes. And um, who else? There, there are a couple of others. Uh, Ira Hillard, Hilliard in Houston. Uh, these men and uh, Fred Price, Fred Price out of California, uh, they began to do the church branding, or or not the church branding per se, but the ministry branding, the ministry branding. So you knew their product, you knew their song, you know their theme song, you knew their uh, logo. It was branded all over the church. I've, I've, I've had the opportunity to visit many of these churches that I've called out. And um, you see their brand. And their brand was promoted as vigorously as a secular brand, you know, just like Coke. <laughs> their books were promoted. Their materials were promoted. And it, it, it brought to them great, great wealth. And I'm not hating on the wealth at all. Not hating. Um, This is America. We live in a capitalistic society, and the church has brought into that same system. You know, call it, call it whatever you want, Uh, the Mammon system if you like. But unfortunately, the church has brought into that. Uh, We secure sponsorship from corporate entities, secular corporate entities, to you know, to sponsor our events. Anyway, I digress. Bishop Long was an interesting character, and, and when the scandal broke out several years ago with him and the young men, when the scandal broke out, a lot of people were standing behind Bishop, and initially I was one of those persons who was standing behind them because I'm like, okay, you know, scandals about preachers come out all the time, and sometimes it's just disgruntled individuals who uh, they got to get their payback for something they felt slighted and and that's how i initially viewed it and i think that's how I initially many church people viewed it uh, or wanted to perceive it we did not want to perceive that um this this great man of god who stood up for kingdom principles and spoke against what he believed to be uh to be ungodly uh, when we when we when we hear of such a person having in a moral failing to the degree that he had, it is greatly uh, uh, egregious to us. It is greatly disappointing. It affects our whole faith system, both outward externally and internally. And it did that for a number of us. Uh, of us, and you know, when he got on on the on television and the sermon, and he said he had five smooth rocks and (laughs) stones or whatever, and I'm quite sure you can recall. If not, you can Google it. It's on YouTube. It's everywhere, you know. Only to have, only later to have done a settlement for millions of dollars to these persons without having to admit any guilt. And I think that was the biggest disappointment for those of us who were hoping against hope that, uh, and declare Not just his innocence in the matter But his integrity And he did not afford Any that of us that opportunity To hear him do so um, And so last year uh, Just not even a couple of months ago As he spoke before his congregation And he, he said that While he was going through Whatever he was going through He had contemplated suicide I was really really moved by that, largely because I began to understand the secrets that he had kept. Uh, I understood a little bit. I was able to grasp some sense of of his reality, the reality that he wrestled with something so great. What that was, we will maybe never really know in its entirety unless his wife decides to, you know, after he's good and dead, you know, to tell all. She might do it, because she'll, she'll make a good penny off this. She does, because <laughs> everybody wants to know who's not in the know. We want to know. But but by saying that he, you know, he wanted to, he wanted to commit suicide, he was at the darkest point, um, uh, shed a lot of light into the grit of the secret that he shared. And so I, and, and so... The legacy now that he has is not so much of the ministry that he managed to uh be used by God and his community to build in various ways, you know, from the mentoring to the school to the mega church building and all of that stuff. all of that is wonderful, but that one little tainted spot on his resume. <laughs> Is what's going to be the lasting thing for many people, um, and that's and again, you know, there are persons who are speculating what causes death. I I have no means to do that. I will not do that. I'm just going to accept their answer as cancer, and you know, and and I I was talking with someone, I'm speaking with someone, and I said, well, you know, even if he had uh, an autoimmune deficiency syndrome. Um, if he has that, uh, well, the the medicine now, even if he had it ten years ago, uh, he was able to afford it, and he would still be able to live a very lasting, you know, fulfilling life because it, it's available like that now. You know, it, it's no longer a death sentence, uh, uh, a short death sentence, still a death sentence. <laughs> Just a, it's not a shortened death sentence. So that's the, but anyway. But it made me think about, his death makes me think about um, the secrets uh, that we preachers keep. I questioned why he did not share what he was going through with members. And I, I, I was asking myself, you know, what would I do if I were him? Would I share... And the person that I am, I would, I would not be as guarded regarding my health. I'm not, I'm not that guarded. But for some reason, he felt the need to be guarded, uh, to have his his issues guarded. Um, the issues with, you know, some are calling, you know, were calling him a predator uh, as far as with the young men, uh, and his authentic uh, human sexual desires. All of that was guarded. You know, and I, and I think about Ted Haggard in that sense when Ted Haggard um, had to come out himself with his sexual... Um, I don't even know the desires. I don't know what it is, whatever, whatever it was. You know, what they call it. He He didn't want to say that he was... A homosexual, but he just admitted to having those those desires for uh, uh, the attraction. And it may have been the same with Eddie Long, but Eddie Long was not afforded. If he wasn't afforded the opportunity, I missed it. but But he felt that he had to guard that, but he expected his members to not do the same. I mean, the people were coming to church to be released from the things they felt they had to guard, the secrets they had to have. Some of them were coming to church for deliverance. And his sermons were about, you know, you could be delivered from this, you could be delivered from that, God can do this, God can do that. And the people were drawn by the thousands to this message because it seemed to be a message of liberation for them. They could be free, and yet himself felt that he was not able to do so in like manner and I think about a lot of preachers including myself you know the question of transparency comes up how transparent should we be with our lives as pastors because you know Christians are some of the worst people in the world they will take what you say in moments of vulnerability and use it against you, may not use it right then, but they will turn around and use it against you sometime. you know so in a lot of cases, that's what's happened you know that what happens they uh and maybe that's what he felt. Maybe he had seen how some other preachers, in their cases of moral failure would happen to them, and maybe he never expected that it would happen to him. I know in my own case, you know, I don't expect to be called in moral failure. I understand that it's possible because what I consider to be moral failure, uh, not a moral moral failure, uh, could be a moral failure to someone else. And uh, in this world today, you know, there are eyes everywhere, <laughs> eyes watching everywhere, and and sometimes I, you know, sometimes I, I I feel like okay, this indiscretion or that indiscretion, whatever that indiscretion may be, is if, if discovered, can be harmful. And, and, you know, again, it might be minute. You know, I'm not talking about, it's not always sexual. Please understand. It's not always sexual. Although for us preachers, that usually is what it turns out to be. You know, if it's not sexual, then it's financial. Uh, you know, we're gamblers or we're embezzlers or, you know, in, in some, some way. Uh, so we guard that part of us. Largely because we want to be seen as non-vulnerable persons. You know, we, we walk in the power and spirit. When the power of God, the anointing of the Holy Ghost in, we are not subject as, as much to those frailties of humanity as others. And that's what we like to put off. But the reality is we're just as subject as they are. And I always share, you know, God loves flawed people. That's, who, that's all he's used. That's all he's used. Flawed people, flawed humans. You know, I shared this story. I I, I shared this insight about Noah. Yeah, <laughs> and it's one of the. It's funny to me as I'm thinking about it. But uh, you know, Noah was called by God, and he began to preach. And we don't know what he was like before he got he got the call to preach. And we know that all of humanity was wicked, but some way Noah was righteous and worthy of this task uh, called on him by God and so so he built the ark he preaches for all these years about the the rain is coming and of course no one had experienced that according to the to the narrative uh, and so all of a sudden when it rains you know here comes the flood and and Noah and the eight uh, the eight Noah and his family were saved and all the others that you know, all the other things were saved. And and when they were dry, when God gave them the okay and everything was well, well, somehow Noah got a little too excited and got drunk. He got drunk to the point that one of his own family members saw him in his nakedness. And... um <laughs> You know that that family member ended up being cursed, or a child of the family anyway that you know neither here nor there but the 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 point of that of that is that whatever noah was was doing before he had guarded it well enough uh by men to be righteous and by God to be righteous, but the moment that he had that liberating experience and he was once again free to be himself. He did, and it brought some shame on his family. And um, in our world today, part of the problem is that we don't allow ourselves to be our authentic self. The persons who do, the persons who do, are the ones who are who are able to uh, who are able to simulate into. A society. Somebody's knocking on my door. <laughs> Let me take a quick break so I can answer this. I'll be right back. I do the show from the church and sometimes uh people just come and knock on the door. It's random. Hey, 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 it is what it is. So apologize for the disruption there. And uh maybe I need to get better a uh, doorkeeper at the house of the Lord.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I lost my train of thought. It was just that quick. Let me try to regain myself and and, and uh get get back on track here.
0: Whoops. Anyway.
1: But before I get started again, if you're listening and you're available on uh, Sunday, February the 12th, 2017, at 3 o'clock, we want to invite you to New Bethel Amy Church. We'll be having our annual Men's Day. Our guest speaker will be the Honorable uh, Carter Reeves, who is um, a Fifth Secret uh, Judge here in in southern Mississippi, and and, well, here in Mississippi for the southern region. And he's a highly distinctive person. And uh we're excited about having this, so this is a plug for you to come out and participate with us here at New Bethel Amy Church where I'm glad to be the proud pastor of a church where everyone is real, relational, encouraging, authentic and loving. Boom, that's my plug for the church. Boom. All right. Now, okay, I I know what I was saying. Um, when we when we when we think about persons who live their authentic selves or who are more authentic with their life and a little open, you know. Uh, those those persons are unusual, and they're liberal, liberated to some some. <laughs> we'll say, over over liberated, but there's still, you know, there are those of us who are a bit repressed, and we're okay being repressed. We we live our lives good repressed. We don't mind missing out on some of the things that we choose not to enjoy, and that's okay. Uh, however, when that Repression becomes, um, when that repression of a desire or whatever it is, is a bit overwhelming, we we really should address it. We don't have to indulge in it. We don't have to gauge it. We should address it at least and acknowledge it. And just as God wants us to acknowledge and bewail our manifold sins and wickedness that we commit by thought, word, and deed, even so, if he's aware of that and he's just and faithful to forgive us and cleanse us from our righteousness, we should be okay with acknowledging those things that we want to keep a secret, it's it's okay to keep it a secret. But you know, everybody don't need to know your business, and that it made me sounds like double talk right now. Unfortunately, most Christians live in double talk. We live a duality that's really a disconnect. You know, it, it's a great disconnect, and um, I think Bishop Eddie Long is a primary example. Of what happens when that dissonance um, Is never reconciled And our job as preachers Is to empower people To reconcile that dissonance Paul talks about uh, Being double minded Well James talks about being double minded Says that our double minded man Is unstable in all his ways Paul talks about The war between the flesh And the spirit In Galatians chapter 5 And and although it, in the verses 18 to 22, I believe it is, yeah, 21, 22, somewhere in there, uh, it talks about these works of the flesh. And we've, we've made that into, um, you know, a, a, a standard of observation to determine who's righteous and who's wicked or who's going to heaven and who's going to hell, who's holy and who's not holy, who's sanctified and who's not. And reality is none of that... Is our working? You know that's uh, those still works of the flesh when we try to be righteous. This is work of the flesh. So uh, works of sanctification, all of that righteousness is, is all done by the Spirit of God by way of faith through Christ and what He did. What God did through Christ is our means of being reconciled to the holiness and the sanctity and all of that of God. So the work is all divine, literally, and not on us. However, we are called and we are. Uh, We are encouraged by God, you know, to be single-minded in our pursuit of him. Seek the kingdom of God first, and it's all his righteousness, and then everything else will be added. We love that scripture for prosperity, but we can apply it to our own, we can apply it also to the the means of liberation that we desire. We want to be free and you know, we don't want to just, don't just use that to say that God will bless me if I seek his kingdom financially. But you can also say God will empower me if I seek his kingdom first in his righteousness by helping me realize the dissonance that I really I really have. I really am. Is in a such dissonance uh that causes us to to com- be conflicted in who we are. And who we want to be. And mind you. God never called you. When he saved you. He didn't change you directly. Now let me stop. Let Let me rephrase that. I know of a lot of persons. I have countless testimonies. Of persons who God delivered instantaneously. One moment they were this. And the next moment they weren't. And they have not regressed. But then there are those. And I may include myself in this in this category. Who God was, you know, we have to use the song. Please be patient with me. God is not through with me yet. <laughs> and when God gets through with me, I'll become, I'll come out as pure gold. I think that's the testimony for a lot of persons. But as we look at Bishop Long, and and the reason Bishop Long is significant now is because again in the modern era, he's the he's the only one the only preacher in the modern era that had a sexual scandal to pass away, you know. Um, um, Oh boy, 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 Uh, (laughs) boy. The names elude me right now. Um, The preacher in Baton Rouge um, that stood up and said, I have sinned. And y'all know who I'm talking about. Uh, uh, He's still alive. Um, The preacher with Praise the Lord Jeff Baker I think Jim Baker Still alive Um, And there are other Preachers that we could talk about Both at the local church And you know at at In the national church Who have had sexual scandals That they have survived And they're still alive Frankie Ray Out of Memphis Still alive You know And so his death Brings to the foreknowledge brings to, our, brings to the forefront the reality that of this egregious sin that most of us preachers face uh, in the sexual arena. That we, for some reason, seem to guard and hide, and we have no means of really sharing. We don't, you know, we're not encouraged to have accountability, brothers and brothers. I don't want to say sisters because, you know, that might be a bit uh, too tight of a rope to walk. I'm trying to have sisters and accountability when it comes to sexuality, you know sexual issues, not that it's not possible, but again it's just too tight of a rope to walk but um, uh, and, I, and I, I, as, as i as I reflect on it, you know you know this is these are the things that we should be encouraging preachers, young preachers to be aware of not just themselves and and uh, you know the younger generation of the preachers are are very much aware of themselves and their um, valuabilities, if that's a word. They're very much aware of that, and because of that awareness and their sensitivity to themselves, they are more likely to entertain the idea of moral failing as not so much as a moral failing, but just being a human being. Now, for us older preachers, you know, and, and after 25 years of preaching, uh, and, uh, I, I, you know, being trained by preachers who were in their 50s, 60s, and 70s When I was just a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, 14-year-old boy um, You know, that we were taught to guard our lives And scripture says guard your heart, with, you know, because out of it flows the issues of life But it didn't say anything about guarding your life And hiding your life to the point where you become more oppressed because you're not able to be your authentic self now at the same time, we are not to encourage people to be so much of their authentic self till they no really no longer really identify with Christ who has crucified who they have been crucified with, so that while they may be uh you know as Paul writes in Romans chapter six and chapter seven, you know we are alive, but while we are alive, we understand that our members are instruments to either righteousness or unrighteousness. And we are encouraged to allow our members to be instruments of righteousness and not unrighteousness. And we are encouraged by Paul's writing, by Paul's writing to die. You know, to remember that because Christ died, we are dead with him and we are raised to newness in life with him. And when we do that, there's a there's a liberation in that. You know, there's a liberation in that. That doesn't mean that you have to tell all your business, and telling all your business might get you a lot of members, might make you popular. You may, you know, may break out into the mainstream because of that, but, you know, most won't. And those who won't may suffer in silence. I think Bishop Long's death and his legacy is for us to realize that a lot of preachers suffer in silence. Because of our secrets Nothing wrong with having a secret But if we have a secret We need to have somebody And yes we have God But I'm talking about another human person That we can We can have to help us You know Find a means Of Not living in denial Or or Repression Regression Repression We don't want to do that. Ours is supposed to be a life of liberation. We are free. According to scripture. Who the son has made free is free indeed. So we are a liberated people. And God takes pride in that. The fact that he liberated us from. The wages of sin. And gave us the gift of life eternal. But um, we mourn. Bishop Long. We Mourn with his family Because he was a father He was a husband He was a brother He was an uncle He was a cousin He was something to someone He was a pastor To thousands We mourn that But I want to encourage those of us who are Clergy To remember that we We do have We we have access to a holy God And we but we also have access to each other. And we are each other's brother's keeper. And sister's keeper. And why? while we don't have to share everything, there are things that we can share that can be empowering, that needs to be empowering. So, I ran out of time. I want to invite you guys back next week. Tune in again. Make sure that if you miss this show, you can go back and capture, uh, catch all our our show is available on iTunes, and go to Zero Out Today Network um, on Facebook, and you can see all the episodes there. You can download there. Follow me on, uh, uh, hit me up on my page, Lorenzo T. Neal, my homepage there my website, uh, and blogtalkradio.com, Zero Today, and catch up in the archive show. But we'll try to be here every Wednesday with great topics, great guests, and great things to empower you, our listeners, to changing your world. God bless you. God keep you. We'll be back next week. God bless you. We are.